Well, hello. Welcome to Radio MVP Sports Podcast, episode number 115. And if you're a football fan, that's all we're doing today. Football, football, football. As the Big Ten has made it about face and has now made news again today as they're going to return to play. We're going to get into that. We're going to talk FCS football. And we are going to go across the world, across a couple of oceans in the hemispheres, and talk to Gemma Bestiani to talk about Australian rules football here tonight as we get uh, Gemma back on the podcast and uh, one of our favorites. So looking forward to that uh, very much. And you want to stay tuned because we're going to get some great information about some footy mm-hmm. from down under. Tim, let me say this to begin. Think about, Go back to middle of April. Uh, yeah, go middle of April. It'd be a month into this quarantine, pandemic, lockdown, shutdown. We were still doing podcasts, trying to find anything to talk about. And we did uh, pretty good. For a while there, it was, I'm not sure we're going to have baseball. I'm not sure we're going to have basketball. I'm not sure we're going to have hockey. And then it was, well, here's plans, but it's day-to-day, day-to-day, day-to-day. And the same day-to-day stuff that we said in March and April, that is is not day-to-day anymore. It is hour by hour now. And we are sitting here on September 16th. It's 60, 65 degrees outside. It feels like football. Some football games have been played. And today we got the bombshell that the um, the the Big Ten is coming back to play um, with strict measures and uh, protocols that you have mentioned we'll talk about later on but the uh the whole kingpin in this to clemson's you know just jaunt to the college football playoff national championship again has gotten a huge roadblock and uh, uh we'll talk about them also well we talked about a lot of things uh last week but uh, the uh, as you mentioned the big 10 has uh, announced that they are going to play football mm-hmm. we've heard this rumor basically the, about the last 10 days to two weeks that this was going to happen again. And Roy picked up steam two weeks ago when Ohio State, Ryan Day, uh, Penn State, James Franklin, and Nebraska's eight players, that's when they really started to um, become very vocal, especially Ryan Day um, demanding, why aren't we playing? Uh, well, let's, let's backtrack. Here, okay. Anthony. Let's backtrack. Give our... Our listeners, a little, little history lesson here to just kind of refresh their memory. On July 30th, Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren sent a letter mm-hmm. to the athletic directors in the league and medical panels saying they're evaluating, evaluating whether to play football mm-hmm. uh, to open camps this year. On August 5th, Wisconsin unveiled the Badgers' legacy campaign to offset 60 to $100 million losses mm-hmm. caused by the football revenue. Later that day... The Big Ten United proposal represented more than 1,000 league football players appeared in an essay to the Players' Tribune. And it goes on and on. There's a lot of things going on. August 8th, the Big Ten halts the next phase of football practice, which included full pads. On August 9th, Twitter hashtag, we want to play, starts to trend. All the all these things started taking place. When? As we uh, continue down the pipeline, the... the the announcement came that they were not going to play. And then a couple of weeks ago, we had another vote that basically said the, the exact same mm-hmm. thing. Since that second vote, 
postponing the, the season, which all that they ever voted did was postpone the season with a with an idea of mm-hmm. possibly playing in the spring. What has happened since then is the Big Ten, as you mentioned, hour by hour. Yeah. The, uh, what has happened is testing become absolutely has taken to the next mm-hmm. phase where you have now rapid testing results and the players in the Big Ten now can be tested on a daily basis mm-hmm. and they'll get the results and they will then track these players no matter what the scenario may come about and those who may contact or contract the disease of COVID and possibly have cardiomyopathy mm-hmm. that, that they're concerned about they have a protocol now in place for that and that will be uh if you come down with COVID, there's a 14 days for most the other leagues mm-hmm. the big 10 is going to do 21 days mm-hmm. and they're going to do continued testing on that player and to watch for any type of heart uh, ailment, ailment yeah. that may come about so we you know we talked about this before and the reason this was postponed was multiple layers mm-hmm. obviously players health is we would say number one. Oh, yes but truth of the matter is liability to the players and liability to the universities and the multi-billion dollar industry that it is uh of college college athletics that's what it came down to and once they got these guarantee not guarantees but got these new things that came about it made the idea of playing this season possible mm-hmm. i'm not saying that Nebraska players who filed a lawsuit, or Trent, or, or excuse me, uh, Justin Field, uh, you know, essays mm-hmm. and his desire to lead the team and to play this mm-hmm. fall didn't impact the decision. I'm sure it had some impact, but when it comes right down to it, in my opinion, it came down to that the medical field has caught up to partly of testing this disease, and we talked about this going back mm-hmm. to April uh, when the pandemic hit, that testing was going to be key. We knew that. And most people, the only one that doesn't know it is Trump. Everybody else knows that you need to test to find out where the disease is and how to handle it within a community. And that's going on on campuses across the country right now with outbreaks. They need to be testing their students daily and throughout their, where they can identify the those who may be ill or those who may have it and not show symptoms or it doesn't spread any farther. That's the key here. And that to me was why this was able to happen. Now the dates been flying around. Mm -hmm. It could have been October 10th or the 17th. And pretty much two weeks ago, we started hearing about this rumors of a October start date. The more I read about it and more I looked into it, the more of the people who you mm-hmm. follow, who are good reporters, kept saying that earliest would be late October, mm-hmm. early November. And for it to fit into the college football playoff scenario, mm-hmm. it really came down to a due date of late October yes. for it to happen. Or the college playoff would have to be postponed a week or two longer to make it work for them. And it was a com- probably a combination of, of a lot of things that went into that. But that's why the date of the 23rd and 24th has been selected. It makes the most sense. Plus, you want, I don't care who you are, if you're Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Rutgers, you name the school, 
want to be able to prepare your team properly yes. and have plenty 100%. of time to get it done. Yes, they've been in training camp. Yes, they have minor workouts without pads going on, limited hours the last three, four mm-hmm. weeks. You know what? That doesn't matter. No. You could say you can get them ready in three weeks. It's better to have a couple extra weeks to get them ready. And I'm glad that it's the 24th, not the 10th. I, 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 I find too. that two weeks actually a a smart way to help identify players who may have this problem going forward. Not saying that any of them will. We don't know. But as testing goes on, we'll find out. I think it, And we'll go from there. But I, I really think the date makes a lot of sense. Oh, the date makes a ton of sense. It's... A, the rapid testing and contract tracing, contact tracing, are the two big reasons why we're having Big Ten football this year. I think also, too, you've seen that we can play college football games at a, in a safe manner with proper testing, proper tracing, and, you know, quarantine health measures in place. Every coach in the... The Big Ten, if asked, can say, we can have our team ready two, two and a half, three weeks. Of course you can. But like you mentioned, now each university in the Big Ten can have you know, the proper measures in place to get your team ready on the field, get the proper protocols and everything set for the October 23rd, 24th start date, and it just gives everybody... You're not rushing, and that's the big thing here. You can't rush this because this thing is not going away. So it gives everybody in the universities, the conferences, ample time to keep gathering information from our schools and other conferences, the rapid testing, the contact tracing, to make this season a success. Um, and it's it's a huge day for the Big Ten because – means we're going to have football back in the Big Ten, and that's nice. It's also nice to see that the testing, which has been so key since March when this thing broke out, and why other countries are a step ahead of us, it's nice to see that we're getting these rapid tests more frequently. They're not where we need them to be yet, but I think they're getting there. And when you look at the whole bigger picture and the grand scheme of things, that's what we need to get to, is a rapid test, not a limited amount of r- rapid test, but a widespread rapid test. So if it's you or I or Justin Fields or the quarterback in Michigan, you know, they know within, what, I think 20 minutes is a rapid test, 20 minutes to a half hour, maybe an hour. You know, that day, like you said, yes, he's positive. And then you can go back and say, okay, he was here this day. He was, and you can start the contact tracing, which is going to be key in this. Because if a player tests positive, you have to go back and see who he had contact with, who he had, you know, was he, which is, um, I think, Tim, the Big Ten is going to set an, this was a mess from the start. And it's not a negative, but they were not, when Kevin Warren took the job in January, he was not, well, my first thing is I don't have to navigate a pandemic, you know. So let's give him, yeah, he deserves some criticism, but let's not all bag on him and rag on him. Well, that was mis- misplaced 
anger. Yeah. So, uh, it, 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 let, me, exactly. let me talk. Let me talk for a second. Exactly. Uh, not to interrupt you, but it was misplaced anger about him. He works for the Big Ten. Thus, he works for the presidents mm-hmm. of those universities. Okay, that's his boss. That collective. You're going to follow their lead. That's your job. And he did exactly that. Did he? Is he the fall guy? Yes, because that's what commissioners are. Commissioners in most leagues and now across the world are not keepers of the sport or of a conference like an intercollegiate conference. They're not there to preserve this or that. They're there to manage the finance of the organization. And this is the organization being the Big Ten, the conference for these universities to bring in income for these universities. And that's what it's about. It's not. It's about. It's a marketing job. Absolutely, it's yes. a marketing job. It is not a sports job. They're involved in sports, but their job is to market their product, which is college football and college basketball and baseball and hockey and uh, soccer and field hockey and any other sport that you want to talk about. That's their job is to present those sports to uh, the public and to the country, in a sense, and, and show them what they can do. And that's, you know, and put them in the best spotlight. It is not uh, anything else. We all make what I call emotional decisions and emotional reactions. And as sports fans, we definitely... We're kings of it. Well, yeah, yeah, we lead. We're the top here. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's exactly what you do. So, people get upset and they make emotional decisions because it's personal to them. Uh, Let's face it: when Ohio State wins or lose, everybody feels it in the state. Uh, If you're whatever school you're following, you feel it. It's a big, Mm -hmm. you know, energy boost. But you know, up or down. Uh, In the pro sports, Mm -hmm. it's the same way. You. You walked out, anybody, you talked to anybody Monday morning who was a Cleveland Brown fan, it was like, oh, God, here we go again. You know, mm-hmm. they lose 38-7, to seven and it was just an awful game. And it wasn't even in a fun game to watch. It was just, it brought back bad memories of previous years. Mm-hmm. And they haven't won an opening game in 18 years or something like that. So it's just overwhelming. And you had that feeling. Everybody did. Mm-hmm. Even those who say, oh, I'll never watch them again. That's the same emotional feeling. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's what sports brings. So, like I was saying earlier, Kevin Warren did his job uh, representing the universities. And that's exactly what a commissioner does. Uh, yeah, they may get involved in uh, suspensions mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Or... Uh, make make a call about a university and, and quote-unquote uh, rein them in. But for the most part, their job is to represent the university in the highest mm-hmm. light and to make the Big Ten look as the pre-Jesus, the, the biggest conference in the world. And that's what they do. They all do it. The SEC does it. Oh, absolutely. The yeah. ACC does it. The Pac-12 does it. They all do it. And they should do it. That's their job. And I don't have a problem with that. Uh, getting back to just Big Ten football being played. Happy. I'm happy. I'm glad for the players. I'm happy for the coaches. 
I'm happy for the universities to figure out the best way mm -hmm. forward. And quite honestly, it's kind of what we talked about before about the high school season. Mm -hmm. The problem we had with the high school season, it's kind of the same problem the Big Ten had. They didn't plan for this in June. Mm -hmm. They waited to the last moment to make decisions. And when you do that, you look foolish. Mm -hmm. And you make bad decisions. Or you may make a good decision, but it looks rushed and not conceived. And that's what it looked like in August when they postponed the season. And that's what I think most people were upset about, as all of a sudden it went away. Yep. You know, now, we had the Ivy League, we had other leagues, the, the FCC Division II, mm -hmm. and others all pull the plug. And then you've seen the big boys being the Big Ten and Pac-12 mm -hmm. do the same thing. Pac-12's not coming back, by the way. They, they just released right now that with the, the new rapid testing, they're thinking about a late November start. So they're only going to play their conference, and that would be it. Right, but my point is, the Pac-12 right now is on fire. Yes, yeah, and, you, and, you can't and play any you games. You can't even go out and no. practice. So, I mean, that's another issue. No, you got two itself. pandemics going on right now. Right, so you, yeah, yeah, you I can. Mean, you do. And, uh, you know, the, unfortunately, the, the northwest part of the United States is on fire, and it has been on fire for the last month, and it's not getting better. And No, it's getting worse. And yeah. it's... Matter of fact, air quality coming east is now being affected by it. And you so. could definitely tell the last two days. I can, I could definitely tell the last two days. And it, well, like I said, it, it's just these are the things we're all dealing with, and you know they have their own circumstances that they have to deal with. But as for the Big Ten, good to have them back. Excited for Ohio State. Am my concern about the the C, uh, the college football playoffs? Not really. That'll take care of itself. Uh, I'm looking forward to the football games coming mm -hmm. uh, at the end of the month and going forward. I kind of like the late season start. Now I have a longer yeah. you know, football going into December, which is fantastic to me because if you're a college football fan in Northeast Ohio, it really ends in November. Yeah, last week of November, yeah. you know, And then you have this long time off. Uh, they've extended the season longer now with the – with the mm -hmm. Big Ten yes. championship and stuff like that. For the most part... You're done with the first of December. Yeah, yeah. By Thanksgiving, it's over. Yeah. You know, and now, I mean, we're not going to get started to almost Thanksgiving, but actually a month before, and we'll go into December. So, to me, that's exciting. So, it, let me ask you this. Being Notre Dame, do you think the Ohio State Mission Games last game of the year, or do you think they put that beginning of the season so if anything goes nah, nuts... I think I think that... Here's what I think. Barring a huge outbreak, which who knows what yes. will happen. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, it's day by day right now. Right. Yeah. On every situation. I think we've seen Major League Baseball, the NHL, the mm -hmm. NBA set the pattern. Yep. And I think the Major League Baseball proved that even with outbreaks within a team, that they can still play the games. They can find a way to play. It may be a little less games than they wanted for certain teams. But you can they, still play, yes. They can still play, and they get the games in, and they're going to get their season in. As small as that season is compared to the normal season, they're not stopping. That's going to play. Mm -hmm. I honestly believe that the, barring a catastrophic out outbreak. Yeah. Exactly. The Big Ten will do the exact same thing. The SEC, the ACC, mm -hmm. all these schools and the different conferences will do the exact same thing. Uh, once they play, they're not going to stop because 
the money is so large that they have to play. Yeah. You know, we talked about this before any of these announcements came about. I said the Power Five will find a way to play. Yes, yep, of the you money. did. Because they have to. The money's just so big. The NFL will do the exact same thing. There may be weeks where certain play teams, and I'm not saying this will happen, but it could be like baseball, yes. where you have a a team who needs quarantine for mm-hmm. a week or ten days, and the NFL will do that. Yeah. Now they have a build and buy for every team, so they'll have a chance to make yes. up those games if that's the case. But I don't think the NFL is going to no. not play games. Now, if you get like the Cardinals in baseball who missed, you know, three four weeks yes. of of play. Then that's a little different, and we'll just yeah. everything will take care of itself, and we'll figure that out as it comes. But the NFL is not going to stop. The Power Five schools conferences are not going to stop. Uh, they're going to do everything they can to, to make as much money as they possibly can going forward. That's just the truth. Uh, this is all. And high school football was the exact same thing. Uh, you know, last week you and I were talking about high school football, and you were correct. Uh, the 17th, which yeah. is tomorrow, is the opt-in day for the playoffs. By the 24th, yes. you can opt back out without a penalty. Now, they never described what that penalty, penalty is, is. Yeah. but uh, some schools have already opt out. Southern Matthews, right? Yeah, and, a and they're going to play the week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're going to play that week. That starts the, quote, playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't blame them. Both teams are winless. Both yeah. teams are having, have, Number tr- yeah. haven't been able to score many points this season. For them to travel to, let's just say, Cleveland, three hours yes. away to play a game and to potentially lose 50-3 to three or 50 it doesn't to make, nothing, yeah. there's really no reason why you can play a backyard game and have two schools that know each other and want to play against each other play. So I totally understand that, and uh, you know I think that's a, a wonderful thing for them. And we'll see. Uh, some of these schools, I heard, have actually three, four weeks already booked Good. For they can play Good. up to 10 games. Yeah. So we'll see uh, how this all works out. The the OSAA was a lot, made a lot of bad decisions or non-decisions that cost them time. And they did not know how to proceed. And they were looking for guidance from the state. And the state didn't really want to give them guidance. And this is the situation we ended up with. Uh, the playoffs is about the OSA trying to recoup money. Mm-hmm. And we'll see how much money they do recoup. And I honestly will be interested to see how many fans are allowed at those games compared to the six games of the regular season. Because the way it's set up is schools are responsible for their own travel Mm -hmm. and their own everything, whatever it costs. Like, for example, if you're school A and you got to go play school B and you're four hours away from that school, that's up to you to cover that cost and everything. And School B, who's hosting the game, has all the costs of hosting the game, and the sales of the tickets go to the OSAA. Yes, which is... Well, and that's not uncommon in the playoffs, but but prior to this season, mm-hmm. all pre-game sold tickets... Went to were, the home side, yes. Yes, we're like 50-50. Yep. That's not going to be the case this year. So, whatever you know transpires, we'll just see how it goes, uh, and we'll see how... The regions looks next week because this week they're going to drop the regions yeah. with the teams that say they'll they'll play. 
So congratulations to all the teams who decided to play in the playoffs. Congratulations to those who will continue the regular season during playoff season. It's the most ridiculous thing in the world, but this is 2020, and yeah. you throw out all the rule books yes, and all do. the normal things, and this is what, where we're at. Speaking of 2020 and throwing everything out the window and everything going uh, crazy, you know, I made mention, and I'm not sure if I did it on the air or if I did it walking out of standby for our last Ursuline game. But I said, you know, this is going to be the only time I get to walk in standby this year is to do a high school game. Well, we gonna... knew that they were going to play in the spring, and they are going to play in the spring. You no, know, and today we got word, or we got an outline of yeah. solid dates. Yeah, go ahead. The NCAA also um, has laid out a plan to begin the FCS season. You can play up to eight regular season games in a 13-week period, with the last regular season game occurring no later than April 17th. The playoffs will run from April 18th through May 15th when the championship game will be. And instead of the 2014, which we've seen the last couple years, uh, they've gone back down to 16 teams. Makes sense for this year. Um, you know, you don't know who's all going to be able to play, who's, right. you know. You had two choices in my mind. But I hate to interrupt you. No, there. you're good. No. Yeah, uh, you had two choices. Either go back down to 16 or expand to 32. And and, and, and 16 from, makes the most sense. Well, I think you could have done either way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the eight games in 13 weeks could be contracted and more condensed. Yes, I do too. Yes. Um, but let's let the, the schools figure that out and, and the conferences, because it's going to be interconference play. Yeah, yes. And and that makes total sense. The, the, conference, the conferences play against you know, member schools mm-hmm. and those conferences that can't get to eight games will find regional games to play. Yeah. and um, That's why you have 13 weeks to play yeah, the eight and, games. And in case a game gets postponed, like we were talking about the big 10, you Correct. can, you know, you can have the building flexibility to move it around. Uh, it's just, it's nice to see the FCS now, September 16th, laying out plans four to five months in advance saying, these are our dates. This is when it's going to begin. This is when it's going to end. You have these 13 weeks to build a schedule. Your conferences have, you know. Um, what I've been crying about for the last six months. Yes. Have a plan. Hats have off. A plan. Exactly. Have a plan to execute. You can always alter that plan, but you have to have a plan to execute. Exactly. And, and the Big Ten did not do that. Even the schools who decided to play earlier, like the ACC mm-hmm. and the SCC and others, they made their plan up late, too. Yeah. and that Everybody was, did, yeah. yes. And that was part of the problem. Um, like I said, you're, you're 100% correct. Now we have an executed plan to go forward with. And as a football fan that I am, I'm, I, as I said, I'm excited about the Big Ten being in that eight weeks yes. in late October to through December. Now, when that season ends, you have we go right yes. into the YSU exactly. season. Exactly. And how wonderful is that? It's going to be really cool, Tim. Think about this, okay? We're sitting here. Let's go from Friday. Let's go to the 18th. Friday, you and I will do the Ursuline game. It'll be week four, right? Yes. We'll go to week six. Saturdays, we got college football now to watch. Sunday, we got the, the NFL. NFL. You got the NFL tomorrow. No. Right. Got the um, NFL five, four days a week. So You got yeah. the NFL from Thursday to Monday. Right. 
you have so that'll run until now mid December with the conference title games, and then the NFL is getting ramped up to their playoff chase. Then you got not to mention baseball, which we don't want to mention baseball right now, but hey, we'll have baseball till the end of October. So we're mid December. Then we get a week break and we go right in the cultural playoff. And then two weeks after that, we have the NFL playoff starting, and that runs until February. Then a week later, you have spring training starting. Now they might adjust yeah. it. Get yeah, no, going no, on. you're right. You got we got as the summer progressed. When August got mm-hmm. here, baseball was one weekend. The NBA began. Mm-hmm. The NHL began, and we had them all going at the same time yep. for the first time ever. In a sense, that late in the year, uh, the NHL is now down to the Stanley Cup Finals, basically. Uh, or just about, they still had to get the Lightning and the the Islanders uh, series mm-hmm. tied up. But my point is, once that series over, we're to the finals. There, the NBA is right oh, yes. getting to the same level, and baseball will be heading into their expanded playoffs, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, within two, two weeks. weeks. Yeah. So yeah, it's all coming together, and we're going to have the same thing again come December, January, February, because the NBA is going to postpone the regular, they're not going to start playing again until December or January. Mm-hmm. And the, the NHL will do the same. So we're going to have this, everything going on at one time, but as a sports fan, it's going to be fun. Oh, 2021 might be awesome. If we, you know, if everything goes right. Yeah. And uh, hopefully it will, you know, God willing. Yeah. We're yeah. going to be uh, sitting here doing the ice cash report and in us, in our shorts and t-shirts, huh? Yeah. Just like I am. Right yeah, now. I know. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's but, gonna be you know, awesome. It's, it's it is what it is. This is such an unusual scenario. Uh, so many things going on. But one thing we did learn this summer is sports bubbles work. Yeah. What the NHL and what the NBA did, and to have absolutely no infections proves how effective that has worked. And it'll be interesting to see how the NF, NFL and college football reacts to that as we go forward and we've seen the troubles yes. that major league baseball has had with the marlins the phillies mm-hmm. the cardinals and the cardinals and we'll go from there i mean this is i hate i hate to be a bearer of bad news and i am not an ethnologist i'm not going to no. try to do anything but i'm going to tell you everything i know to be coming from very ethical good quality people to understand and they've said it for the last six months, and I really truly believe that barring mm-hmm. some medical things that continue to grow, we'll see what happens. We're, we got a good year to go with this, Man, potentially two years to deal with well, this pandemic. Now, let me go on to say you can see what's going on in Israel. Mm-hmm. We went down to a new lockdown this week. Yep. And we're going to talk to Gemma here in a little bit mm-hmm. where she's – from Melbourne, Australia, and Victoria. And Victoria has been in their own lockdown yeah, yeah. and quarantine for the last month or so, and maybe a little bit longer. So I'm I'm curious to talk to her to get her experiences, what ha- what's going on there, and uh, obviously talk football with her because it's great. By the yeah. way, my pies have qualified for the finals. God bless my pies. There you As, go. Uh, they the. Nah, let's just say they seem to be getting healthy. And this past week, um, Ace and Cox has finally in the last three weeks got back on the field and has been playing. 
and late in the game against Gold Coast, got, got a, a perfect mark. And and when he got it, he turned and ran. And this guy's six ten, mm-hmm. so he's a foot yeah. ba- basketball size player, you know. And he turned, made a fake, split the defense, as I like to say, and bounced the ball on the ground. Got it. I think he may have bounced it twice. He did it at least once, and then on the run, kicked it for at least forty yards. Holy crap! And, yeah, and into the goal for for a goal uh, to really seal the game. So. Uh, it was a great moment and uh, a lot of fun. He had two goals in that game, and uh, he's he's a lot of fun to watch. So I, I'm looking forward to talking to her about that and uh, the other teams mm-hmm. uh, that all compete. And speaking of a sports bubble, they basically had one down in Australia because all the teams that are based in Victoria mm-hmm. had to leave Victoria because their lockdown was mm-hmm. statewide, meaning you couldn't go into the state or out of the state. Okay. Uh, basically, and if you did, you had a quarantine and mm-hmm. all that. And matter of fact, uh, there's a team I, f- I believe is headed to Queensland, and they're going to have to spend seven days in quarantine before they're able to play. So we're going to try to get all that information from mm-hmm. her, plus talk the actual game, yeah. and just show you for our listeners, this is not just the United States no. dealing with this. This is the entire this is everybody. World. Yep, and uh, we're we're great sports fans here. Great sports fans across the world. And, you know, Premier League just returned. My Reds won their opening game. Yeah, you're the... Uh, Leeds United, yeah. who just made their first time back in the Premier League in 16 years. I saw you were uh, 3-3 heading into uh, my kickoff on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, it was... It was it was not what I would call smooth, but we got it done. And, you know, hey, I th- Mo Salah, all I'm going to say is three goals, two penalty kicks going in. God bless America. God bless the uh, uh, the Reds. I Up think the Reds you can. Everywhere. I mean, God, I say God bless America for everything, <laughs> but the truth of the matter has nothing to do with America because it's over in England. <laughs> but up the Reds, baby. I up the Reds. Th- I think you can throw the word smooth out of the dictionary for this year. Nothing is going to be smooth this nah, year. No, it's nothing. Not. So, uh, yeah, anything, you know, normalcy, smooth, status quo. Throw that out the window and don't look at it till next year, maybe the year after. But it's nice to have sports back. It's nice to have plans being made um, with fallback options yeah. in place. It's nice to see that finally, maybe, turning the corner with common sense. I hope. And starting to plan with this um, instead of denying it, instead of believing this is going to up and magically go away in the clouds. It's nice to see people making plans, thinking about others first, um, and hopefully that as the year winds down, we can have a a, I was going to say that word, we can have a safe and competitive, fun, competitive, fun sports atmosphere, sports and holiday season, and then, you know, get into 2021 and keep Keep building it. Just keep grinding. Yeah, yeah. Keep, you know, just keep, keep grinding. Perfect work. Keep grinding. Keep going keep grinding, through the goal yeah. of, uh, you know, getting back to uh, pre-pandemic uh, situations. Yeah. it's uh, uh, And you could uh, maybe have to rename the uh, podcast from uh, the Ice Cash Report to the Rain Castle Report. Well, it's not I, mean, much... I think we're still the Penguins, so uh, yeah, hey. the Penguins can fly, right? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, <laughs> now, now here's going to be interesting. I think our Penguins fly. Do you uh, do you think they still have a title game in Frisco, or do you think they move it to a more neutralized central location, like if Youngstown State and I don't know Illinois State are in the title game? It really would depends you slide on them contracts. down to Texas. I hate, I hate being so pragmatic, but it really yeah, it really comes down to contracts. And uh, if Frisco has the contract and they, they still, do, yeah, and, and they demand the game to be there, I imagine it'll be there. And I, I assume it will still yeah, be there. Um, and we'll go from there. I mean, but yeah, it's possible they may uh, suspend that contract and open it up for bids. And it, yeah, just you know, if it's well, I mean, years ago that's what it was: open up for bids, yeah. and that's how North Huntington, good, yeah, West exactly, Virginia got it uh, for all those if years when Nor- uh, Marshall was good. So if it's North Dakota State and you know, James Madison, do you move it into Virginia? Exactly. Yeah, the Virginia or Illinois or Ohio to a more central location where I guess knows? time will tell. But it's nice to have something to look forward to because f- for a month or two there, March and April, we it, it was grim and bleak, you know, it was, uh, all right, you know, so well, it was grim and bleak as the uh, Cleveland Indians have now lost seven straight. And Finding new ways to lose. <laughs> we won't get into too much of that. Let's just hope for the best. And look, I'll say this. If they can just straighten up the ship, in a sense, play their style of baseball at their level, not make the silly mistakes that they have been made during mm-hmm. this this losing streak, once you get to the playoffs, anything's possible. When you have a Bieber as your starting pitcher, mm-hmm. and you have hand as your close, and you have Karinchek who's showing some some, some signs, some signs of turning uh, around. Yeah, yeah. And the whole thing is we got a young team, have some veterans. They need to step up, and well, we'll just take it one day at a time. But let's get a W here tonight and move forward against the Cubs. I'll say this: in 2017, we won 22 in a row in late September, and we saw how that worked out in the playoffs. So maybe this is the anti 2017 where we. Lose all the way to the playoffs. I want to go back to what you said. Just give me in the tournament and let me see what early, happens. Early, early on, like the first five, ten podcasts we did. And we're, what, 115 in now. I think it was podcast eight, ten. You said when the Indians were scuffling, and this was early April, just get me a comeback win, a walk-off win, something to... exactly identify, have a deep breath just to calm down. That's how you end a, a true bad streak is that you have a big comeback win, uh, a walk-off home run, whatever yes. the case may be. Uh, this year you don't have the fans there, so it's a really different atmosphere, but this team needs something that interjects it. And, and we'll They just need to there. take a deep breath. Get a win, take a deep breath, and Sometimes realize... Sometimes you have to bottom out. Last night with the two... Batsman to end the ball game may have been the bottom. Let's hope it is. Let's, Let's hope so. We'll the forward. offense is starting to. You can see the the at bats getting a little bit better. I don't want to say they're getting great <laughs> because they're not going to be great this year. But they tinkered with the lineup last night. They tweaked it again tonight. Um, tonight's the biggest week they've had a lineup all year. We'll see what happens. So it can't get any worse, Tim. Well, here's the good news, and, and I'll say this. The game ended to pointing last night and how it ended. However, what was important is... They fought back? Well, more importantly to me was 
Lindor had two base hits that score runs yes. uh, when he was 0 for 19 with runners in scoring position. He hit the big home run late in the ball game to give him an opportunity to win the ball game. It didn't work out, but in the end, they you had showed a, some fight. Well, not even that. You showed the ability to do correct things. What I like that's what's the matter. It's not even fight. It's you were able to succeed when you needed to. I even say this, and uh, piggybacking off your point, I forget who doubled. Naquin doubled, singled. The Shields dropped the sacrifice bunt down. The Cubs threw it away. Lindor came up, smacked it down to the left field line, going opposite field. They got him on. They got him over. They got him in. And then they added on, and they started to manufacture runs. And I think that that goes off your point of that's how you get going as an offense. Get them well, on. Th- this team is not built for a 2020 team, meaning it doesn't hit the home runs. No. It only has like 45 home runs on the season. Uh, it, it's one of the lowest numbers in the major leagues. And the outfield is pathetic. It does not produce at a high level what you need in baseball. But the bottom line with the Indians is the players you need to come through did last mm-hmm. night. Now, your bullpen may have failed. All right. Happens. In the end, I still like the bullpen the way it's situated. I believe the players can rebound from this defeat and go forward. What I hope to see out of the Indians is continued growth and the ability to get extra base hits and the ability to get two out hits. And so far, it has been lacking all season. If that comes alive starting today through the end of this season, it'll be an interesting October. Other than that, it may be a quick October. But that's just the way the season has been. Again, I'll say this. Give me a series with Shane Beaver. I feel I have an opportunity. And that's all you can ask. Hey, Anthony. We're going to step aside now and let's get on a Zoom call and bring in Gemma Bastiani from Play On Radio Podcast and the Siren Sports uh, Collective, Women's Sports Collective. And we're going to find out about that. And, uh, you know, she's one of our favorites here on the podcast. So let's welcome in Gemma. As promised, it is now time to use the Zoom call and get a hold of Gemma Bastiani from Play On Sports Podcast Network now. And yes. also of the Sir, excuse me, Siren Sports Women's Collective, if I get that proper. It's pro- Siren Sports, I know that for sure. So why don't you yeah. take a moment and talk about those two things, and then we'll get back into what we normally do. Hello. <laughs> so um, Play On Radio became a podcast network at the start of this year so I could balance my workload better. Um, so currently we've got uh, three podcasts. Uh, one is a music podcast called Australian Jams, uh, which you listen to. Um, yes, and I've got I See It But I Don't Believe It, which is all about footy stories. So people come on and talk talk about kind of a nostalgic footy moment uh, like Aussie rules moment for them so if it's like when their team won a flag or when this one player did this really great thing and like setting the scene for that Um, and then I haven't been doing it as much recently because footy has been on every single day and I haven't had time Um, the play on preview and review of every single round um, of footy so that'll be back come finals but that's the stuff that I was already doing when we spoke last. Um, since we spoke, 
Uh, I actually can't remember when we spoke last, but it's since January this year, um, I'm a co-founder of Sirena Women in Sport Collective. So um, there's seven women who we all came together because we're all individually working on um, our own projects in terms of women's sport. Um, I obviously was doing play on radio and, and that sort of stuff. And we came together and kind of tried to combine our powers, I guess, combine our reach. Um, and we send out a weekly newsletter every Tuesday, uh, Australia time, which would be like middle of the night, Tuesday morning, I guess, over in the US. Um, and we just cover women's sport and women in sport from all angles. So not just female athletes and leagues, we talk about the women behind the scenes. So the administrators, um, the issues that they face, um, all that sort of stuff. And currently I'm working on a really, ex- I've done it quite a few pieces with one of our co-founders, Kirby Fenwick, who's amazing um, recently. And at the moment we're working on a really in-depth piece that has allowed me to talk to some amazing people. So that's what I'm knee deep in right now. Yeah. Keep you busy. Doesn't it? Yes, very much. so. <laughs> you know, uh, I've obviously on Twitter been able to follow all that and, the Siren Sports uh, Collective, it's, it's, it's really, I think, a perfect scenario, like you say, getting um, people who have the same kind of common goal and desire to work together to promote, promote that. And I've said this on this podcast many times, even before I met you, if there's expansion in sports, just not here in America, but all over the world, it is going to be through women's team sports in my mind. Yeah, and, 100%. Um, you know, and, you know, I, I was, got to see, you know, all the excitement they had there about, I, I could be wrong here. I don't have notes in front of me, so please forgive me. You can correct me <laughs> if I'm wrong. Uh, but the World Cup in, in soccer coming yes. to uh, Australia uh, in what, 2022? 2023. So this year we had the uh, cricket, the T20 Cricket Women's World Cup. So that was on the 8th of March, which was kind of the last big live sporting event in Australia before the shutdown happened. Um, so we had eight, we broke the world record for most, most uh, highest attendance at a women's cricketing event anywhere in the world. Um, the highest attendance at a women's standalone sporting event in Australia and a whole bunch of other records with that crowd. It was 86,000 and something. Um, and then in 2022, we have the women's basketball basketball world cup being held in Sydney. And then in 2023, we have the uh, FIFA women's football world cup um, held here in Australia. So we've got a massive, massive number of things over the next few years. It's so exciting. Yeah, it is. You're going to be really busy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's never a bad thing. Now, no, uh, it's you, not. <laughs> you know, um, you brought up something I wanted to get into is, I mean, we've all faced it in, you know, across the world, uh, the pandemic, uh, COVID that we've all dealt with and the shutdowns in the world yep. of sports. Uh, obviously, it affected footy uh, this year. Uh, just uh, the women's, uh, they just restructured the playoffs or the finals. They got through one round. It got shut down and basically shut yep. down for the rest of the season. They weren't going to mm-hmm. restart it. And then the men's program, I think they got the first weekend or second weekend, and that's when it shut down. And then uh, it started up, I want to say late June, but it might have been early June uh, for uh, the uh, AFL. Yeah. So <clears throat> we, the way that 
the AFLW, so the Women's League, and what I'll call the AFLM, so the Men's League, is structured. The AFLW begins in February and is played partially through summer and, and footy's never been a summer sport. So they play in really harsh conditions and they play a few weeks and their finals run a few weeks into the start of the men's season. Um, so the way it all happened with well, a pandemic hit Australia really badly in March. As I said, March 8th was the last big sporting event. Um, so the final week of the AFLW was they ended up being week six, so round six instead of round eight, like it was meant to be. And then um, we were, there were no crowds allowed and the finals got pulled forward. It got restructured, as you mentioned. I got one week into it and it got um, cancelled completely. The reason they couldn't bring it back, and this is a whole structural issue that's in place that cr- created this problem now, um, the AFLW players, they're part-time athletes on part-time contracts and their contracts had expired by the time the uh, ability to bring back the men's league had happened. So that's the reason why they couldn't do it. And there was a lot of uproar about it. And I understand the frustration, but I also understand we've got to look four years back to understand why they couldn't bring the women's league back this year. And it's very frustrating, especially for Frio fans and Frio players because they were undefeated and they were pretty much on their way to win their first flag and it got shut down. So there's a lot of frustration, but it's also a situation that just couldn't have been expected. The men's season got one week in. They played that week, the same uh, weekend that the uh, women's finals week one was on. And then it got shut down. So they played without crowds and then they came back. I think it was late June um, from memory. It was late. Um, and that has been intense because they've uh, kind of had games every single day, which we don't have in Australia. Normally um, footy is played between Thursdays and Mondays at the most. Usually it's Friday to Sunday, um, but it's been played every single day. Um, teams have had to turn around players um, in shorter time periods as well they're playing off four day breaks instead of seven or eight day breaks um so it's been an interesting year for everyone involved yeah that has been something i wanted to get into a little bit with you is about the uh, obviously they couldn't make up the weeks that were missed so they cut the season down to 18 rounds yep. um i believe it's usually around 27 or 26 so it's normally 23 rounds okay. with one bye. Um, this year it was 18 with one bye. Okay. But anyways, as you mentioned, uh, this condensed schedule that they've been on, uh, like playing every day, uh, kind of a blessing and a, a curse all in one because, like you said, the, the recovery time is less. As a, as a fan, it's kind of nice to know that it's on every day. In the same vein, it's, it's difficult to watch every game. Yeah, I think it's like for Victorians. So I'm not sure how much you guys over there are aware, but most of Australia is living what we are calling a COVID normal life. So able to live fairly freely, but social distancing and things like that. Whereas in Victoria, we had an outbreak that wasn't contained. Um, So Victorians or mainly Metro Melbourne, so where I live, um, we've been stuck in stage four lockdown since mid-July, I think, or mid-June. And stage four lockdown means you can't leave your house unless you're going to buy food or get um, medical uh, attention. 
you can't leave the five kilometer radius of your house. You can only exercise for one hour a day outside your house. Like we have been absolutely locked in. So having footy on every night has kept it going. Um, but for people in other States, they're working, they're living life. So for them, it's much, much more difficult because they can't sit there at four o'clock in the afternoon and watch a footy match. Whereas we can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So at least you got entertainment on that level. You're right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, when we went through, I live in Youngstown, Ohio, and the state yep. of Ohio shut down uh, within about a week or so that New York, when they had their major outbreak back in March. And mm. we went through March and basically through April, the end of March through April, in a, in a kind of a shutdown mode, uh, not as strict as uh, what you're describing, but it was a state called a stay-at-home order. So you were only supposed to go out yeah. to, like you mentioned, go grocery shopping for food or to uh, the pharmacy, that type of thing, and, and return yeah. home. And it was kind of, a, you know, there was no, no one out there stressing it. But in the same vein, they would do everything they could to keep you uh, from uh, being exposed. And then mm. uh, slowly, um, each state decided to... Uh, eliminate that and uh, all hell broke out and <sighs> yeah and this is where we're at and and we have denials across the country and every state and people who have upset so when it happened here in the springtime our spring uh in yeah. march that was right before the beginning of the baseball season literally when like ohio got shut down that weekend was the start of Major League Baseball season. And that was then completely uh, eliminated. And it was actually didn't start back up again until August, uh, late July, early yeah. August. And But they're not of, in a hub, are they? No, and I was going to say that. Now, Sorry. That's all right. They're not in a hub. <laughs> no, you're right. They're not in a hub. And three teams had um, outbreaks. Uh, the St. Louis Cardinals spent, uh, I think, 19 days in a, in a lock time situation. And it was uh, almost four weeks of missing uh, baseball, an entire month, uh, where they just couldn't play. And now they're trying to play doubleheaders, making this up. It's absolutely insanity. But uh, needless to say, a doubleheader meaning playing two games in one day. Uh, wow. It, yeah, it's – anyways. The, but the NHL – the hockey league went up to Canada and had two bubbles and were very successful. And the NBA went to Disney world in Orlando, even though Florida's infested, uh, they've had a, a very successful bubble situation. Now in Australia, all the teams that were in Victoria had to leave almost immediately after the restart of the season. Is that correct? <laughs> Yes. So there's a couple of different leagues at the moment um, that have faced similar things. So I think the, the Super Netball League is a really good... I don't know if netball is a big thing in the US, is it? It's not. Actually, I never heard of it until I started listening uh, or finding out more about Australian sports in the last couple of years, especially with the, the siren sports. So no, netball is a, a complete foreign game to us. Yeah, it it's I I didn't even realize until recently I've mentioned it to someone they're like I have no idea what that is. Um but so netball is like a different 
similar basketball, but quite different, if that makes sense to anyone. Um, so they, that's an all-female league. They're part-time athletes, but they've actually been able to get their players into a hub in Queensland um, and playing a lot of games in Brisbane and on the Sunshine Coast. And they've just played a few games in Adelaide and uh, Cairns, so northern Queensland. So they've mostly been based up north because uh, Queensland has been one of the best controlled states. Um, but effectively, most states except for Victoria and New South Wales at the moment are okay to play in. Um, the footy players, they've kind of had a few hubs in different places, but all the Victorian players did have to leave. Um, so they've, they've hubbed mostly in Queensland as well. So in Brisbane, the Gold Coast, um, or up in Cairns, uh, the Swans are up in Cairns at the moment, um, or in WA or South Australia. So that's kind of where they've been, um, in different iterations. So they've, they'll do maybe eight games in Brisbane and then they'll go to South Australia for two weeks or they'll go to West Australia for three weeks or something like that. But because each state has different quarantine laws, different border restrictions, it's really difficult because you don't want to have to go into a state and quarantine for two weeks before you can play a game. So they've had to work around that sort of stuff. So all in all, I think the fixturing that the AFL's done, uh, and I'm not usually um, someone that defends the AFL, but I think the fixturing and the way they've handled the COVID situation has been pretty remarkable because it's just, I couldn't imagine having to move that many people consider how many different um, state bodies you need to deal with all that sort of stuff. It's been pretty amazing really. And what's even more to me, and we've had some instances up here with baseball and, uh, couple of the other uh, sports where all the players have bought into that. They really have mm-hmm. for the most part. I know there's been a few instances uh, where um, some of the players kind of broke protocol. Matter of fact, we had that with my favorite baseball team. Um, two pitchers uh, left. Um, they were in Chicago. They just got done playing. And supposedly it was friends of a friend type thing. And it was after the game, they went to dinner and the team itself, actually expelled the two players off the team and sent them to the alternate yeah. site. Uh, and then one of the players came back for one game and was traded. And the other player then spent another 10 days at the alternate site. So he was out of the major leagues for about three and a half weeks before they brought him back. And that was the team, wow. actually the players on that team's decision to do. And with the consent of the management. So it was unique. Uh, but for the most part, I, I, from everywhere I've read, either in Europe with the Premier League and others, the teams have uh, the players have really bought into the necessary need to uh, follow the protocols that have been set up for them. I think we need to hold the Super Nepal season at the absolute highest um, regard when it comes to this. There's been zero COVID breaches from them. Again, they're part-time athletes, so they're in a hub and doing uni on their computers or they're um, working from home in these hotels and going out and playing a condensed netball fixture. So I think they they deserve the utmost credit for what they've been able to do and the standard at which they've held themselves. Um, The AFL, to a lesser extent, um, there have been a lot of COVID breaches in the AFL in different ways. 
So a lot of teams in hubs have their families with them and some of the breaches have been their family members have breached protocol, not the players. Um, in other situations, it's been the players making really stupid decisions. Um, so, yeah, that's why I think we need to look at Super Netball as the high standard and everything that falls underneath that. But yeah, there's been, it's been a pretty dramatic year. Let's be honest. Uh, it's been crazy. There's no question about it. And uh, I'm, I'm actually more impressed just with uh, all the athletes across the world, what they had to do to, to return to uh, play and, mm. uh, and to get it done. And it's, it's been, it's really been remarkable. Like I said, um, they all had it for the most part, you can say, you know, 99% of them have truly bought into the necessary protocols to make it work. And let's face it. Um, I know that's their profession for the most part, and that's important, but uh, we're all human. and We all do make mistakes and yeah. we all are, you know, as you mentioned, you know, uh, you, you've been in a stage four lockdown for what, almost eight weeks. Uh, yeah, it's eight weeks now. Yeah. Seven, seven weeks now. Sorry. Six um, weeks was last Sunday. So yeah, I made it worse than it is, but still <laughs> <laughs> it will be eight weeks before we get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know what, uh, from all, all the indications of what I know as a pure person, just reading information and, and understanding what's going on, it's, it's a necessary need. And, uh, you know, I look at the success rate of what's going on in different countries to compare to what we're having here is it's it's remarkable mm-hmm. and it's uh yeah it speaks volumes about leadership and it speaks volumes about lack of leadership that uh that i'm dealing with and that's just yeah. the truth of the matter and i don't want to continue talking all about covid <laughs> when we got so much good things to talk about including the afl as we get into round 18 the final round of the uh Regular season, I'm going to use American terms, and uh, yes. talk about the, the the top eight. Obviously, well, but before we do that, let me ask you this: In America, most of the sports have expanded their playoffs to include more teams, mainly probably for two reasons: a shorter season and b a chance to make additional revenue. Uh, was there ever that thought of expanding the 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 finals from eight to let's say 12 teams was that ever even in consideration before uh the announcement of the return of the uh, season no i mean i don't think the afl's got this thing about tradition um if you mess with tradition then you're the biggest enemy of the afl so um they they're messing with their own tradition enough by not having the grand final at the mcg this year because no sport is being played in melbourne right now um so that's as far as they've gone um the only other main change they've had this year other than the shorter season is the quarters are only 16 minutes long which is actually making the games closer to the length of aflw matches um which has been an interesting uh, social experiment, actually. So they're the only real change. Yeah, I prefer it personally. I do too. I think that extra four minutes per term is just, it's, you know, you're you're talking 16 extra minutes in a game. That's huge. And I think just the athletes themselves, that's a lot of running, a lot of area to cover. And I think it just can actually improve the game by uh, condensing it. Well, all of the players are adamant 
that they want the longer quarters back. And the AFL actually announced yesterday that that will be the case next year. So unfortunately, we don't get to keep that um, as much as I would have liked it. But um, yeah, the top eight will remain, uh, the final series will remain the same. I think at this point, the AFL just wants to ensure the season is completed. And that's always been the issue, like with the condensed season, the reason they were condensing it was if we had to shut down again and things like that. So at this point, the final series will run as normal um, because we haven't had to shut down again. Um, but yeah, I think there are going to be some teams in that, in that final eight that will not even put up a fight in finals. Well, let's talk about just getting into the final eight. Uh, obviously, uh, the bottom four being uh, Geelong, Collingwood, St. Kilda, and uh, Western Bulldogs. What do you uh, – is any of those in trouble of falling out in, in round uh, 18? So I think both St. Kilda and the Western Bulldogs are a chance to fall out because Melbourne and the Giants are both vying for that spot too. And I think a lot of it comes down to percentage as well. Um, the – I would love to see Melbourne make finals, but they made it a lot harder for themselves losing to my team. (laughs) So um, the Swans, in case anyone's wondering, Sydney Swans, great team. Uh, Yeah, so uh, Melbourne have to win by a lot and they need a few other results to go their way this weekend for that to happen. I think they will... Okay, I think they should win this weekend, but with Melbourne... um, that usually means they won't. So, I mean, literally anything could happen. Um, Western Bulldogs kind of came good in the back half of the year. Um, the Saints have been pretty consistently good. So I, th- I would love to see the Saints make finals under their new coach for the first for his first year as, as head coach for them. Um, I, I'm getting a little bit off track here, but the Saints are a really good example of the development of a club culture. And they, uh, they this year got their AFLW team for the first year. So they um, played their first season um, this year. And they have really developed their club culture under their new coach, but also with the inclusion of their women's program. And it's been really wonderful to watch. And it's been a really stark difference to the St Kilda we've known of years past. Um, and I, I would love to see them rewarded for that by making a final series and actually performing fairly well in the final series. Um, Geelong, I think, will not make a grand final because they have a really bad history in finals recently. Um, Since 2011, they just haven't been able to win a final. Um, And what was the fourth team? Collingwood. Eh. Um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of issues surrounding Collingwood right now. They, and I don't know how much you want me to get into it on your podcast. No, go right ahead. Um, the AFL doesn't have a no-fault stand-down policy for players that have been charged with crimes. Um, and they currently have a player playing who is currently charged with sexual assault. And the, the way AFL media and people talk about him because he's quite a good player is as if that was just a minor issue and that the fact that he's playing sport and playing well is all that matters. Um, and that, I think, is a real issue. With I And again, I'm talking from an Australian perspective. Australian sport has a really big issue with that sort of stuff. Um, and it's really disappointing to see him celebrated while his victim, who's awaiting trial, 
is sitting there having to watch him get praised. And I think that's a really big issue. Um, so I would prefer to see Collingwood kind of bomb out so we don't have to deal with that. Um, I also don't think they've performed that well. So um, I don't think that they're at the standard that is required to actually have an impact on finals. Yeah, I mean, obviously, as you know, I became a, a Pies fan in the last few years. And, yes. <laughs> uh, did not really realize what I was getting into <laughs> when I, uh, you know, uh, started following uh, Mason Cox. and Who everything. played well the other day. Yes, yeah, he played did. very well the other day. Matter yeah. of fact, uh, that's something I wanted to ask you about because, you know, there was, when the season resumed, there was a big outcry about his play. And mm-hmm. he what maybe played the first two or three games returned and then disappeared for about, I want to say about nine, 10 games. It seemed like, I mean, I could be overestimating it. And then recent returned, uh, yeah. was he being singled out or was his play actually in your mind a little subpar and they had to make those changes at that time? Because it seems like the team actually plays better when he's on the field than when he was not on. I think um, there's a couple of things at play. He's currently the tallest player in the competition, which means he should have a really strong presence in the air, especially when you're getting to, and this may not make sense, but getting down the line and creating an option down the line, especially when a team's trying to exit defense. Um, And he doesn't consistently do that. And that kind of if he's not able to do that, if he's not able to take marks or at least equal the contest in the air to create the option at the ground level for the smaller forwards, he's not doing his job. And the other thing is Collingwood do have a lot of tall players generally, which sounds stupid, but they have like Darcy Moore is a defender but can play swing. They've got Brody Majacek who can perform really well up forward. They've got Brody Grundy. Like they've got all these guys that – are playing those roles that if Mason Cox isn't doing it, there's too many other guys that can. And that was the issue um, that they were coming up against. And then Collingwood got a few injuries and brought him back and he's kind of played his way back into form. The big question for him, I think is whether he can back up his performance from the other day in the next game. That's if he can back it up and go into finals with more than one really good game under his belt, then absolutely he keeps his spot in the side. But until he can prove that he can do it on a consistent basis, that's where his issue is. Yeah, that's what I what I've been hearing is just kind of a inconsistency that he's uh, demonstrated. You know, like you mentioned uh, this past week, I mean, he had the two goals and. Uh, he, he, I was like dribbled the ball, but bounced the ball. Bounced uh, the ball, yes. <laughs> yes, and, and I think uh, all of Australia took a deep breath, uh, at least on Twitter, and uh, it made me laugh because uh, then they, it was – next thing I know, I seen like four different tweets about when the last time that happened and, and everything he's, else. He's I mean, bounced the ball four times in his career, and every time he's bounced the ball, Collingwood's won the game. How about that, huh? Yeah. Stupid stat, but it works. <laughs> It's great. <laughs> I love stupid stats. They make yeah. me laugh because, yeah. like I said, it really has nothing to do with the game, but in the same vein, it does. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> you can find a correlation and it makes it laugh. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I'll say this from afar. Uh, uh, I did not know the ethical problems that uh, that Collingwood had, and it, it makes me kind of wonder if I made the right choice in the long run. But uh, I guess I'm stuck with them now. So, uh <laughs> <laughs> I even bought it, my, uh, my yes. first merchandise uh, during oh, the Oh, really? Year. Yes, I got a, a coffee cup. Uh, a nice mug. Oh, nice. Yes, yes. 
so that's I have good. My my uh, my my uh, Mel, uh, excuse me, my uh, Collingwood uh, Magpie uh, morning coffee uh, every most days. I I normally have a Swan's mug, and I'm so sad that I didn't drink, oh. drink from my Swan's mug today because I could have shown <laughs> it to you. Um, well, I'll tell I, you what. I will. I was going to say. Sorry, not to I, I will. You. Let me, That's okay. Let me, uh, oh, sorry to interrupt you. Speaking okay. of mugs, um, one of the reasons I got that mug, and those who follow yeah, me yeah. on Twitter, uh, back going back here we go again talking about COVID. Back when we had our lockdown, there's I don't mm. know if you're familiar with um, Brian Brian Koppelman. He's a screenwriter. No. Okay. Uh, have you ever seen the TV show? I haven't because it's on paid TV here, and I don't subscribe to that one called billions i have seen ads for it okay he's lead screenwriter and creator of that uh of that tv show and uh one of the movies he wrote many years ago and first time i ever heard about him was a movie called rounders which was about poker that had matt damon in it oh okay anyways long story short i follow him on twitter this and that and he came up with this morning twitchel to get everybody uh you know, kind of on the same page and rooting for each other during lockdown because he's from New York. Uh, he called it the Morning Royale. Uh, that, uh, and it's just your first copy of the day. We share it virtually, you know, hold up your cup and say good morning and here's to the Royale and, and go on. Well, been doing that ever since. That's cool. And uh, as I was doing it, posting it, a friend of mine called me out because I just had basic, you know, blue mugs and, what you know, simple mugs and nothing uh, spectacular he goes yeah up your mug game i don't have any you know i don't collect a lot of things <laughs> and i'm like all right all right so i i started getting online looking for different mugs and then i found the uh the uh, collingwood mug and i says you know what i says for 25 dollars toll cost to get a ship from australia that's not too bad <laughs> yeah. <laughs> excellent so, um yeah mugs are great i have I'm really sad that I didn't choose a good one today now. Um, <laughs> well, do me I've a just favor. got a plain teal mug. Do me a favor. Tomorrow or during the week, if you had a chance in the morning, use your, your swan's mug, post a selfie with you having your first cup of the day, whatever it may be, I don't care what beverage, and uh, tag it with the hashtag the Royale. You just uh, The Royal with an E in the end. The Royale. That's how I say it. So. And uh, we'll we'll find it, and you'll get you'll find uh, new people. By the way, well, uh, tomorrow get... is my birthday. Well, happy tomorrow birthday. is my birthday, so I I should be allowed to post a selfie on Twitter tomorrow. Please, sure. <laughs> I, I will definitely send out a birthday wish to you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's fantastic. I did not know. Um, I, I, I just wanted, yeah. Yeah, I am turning 30 in stage four lockdown in Melbourne. So um, that's where we're at. <laughs> well, God bless you. I only got 23 years on you. <laughs> um, I did just want to flag as well. You mentioned Collingwood having like ethical issues. Collingwood aren't the only team with that problem. And I, I feel like we need to stop just signaling like uh calling out Collingwood for this and not other sides. There are, there are a lot of sides that have these sorts of issues mm -hmm. and the AFL as a whole 
has is endemic with these issues. So um, it, it's an industry wide issue, not a one club issue. Um, so I just wanted to flag that because I know it's it, as much as Collingwood do the wrong thing, it's unfair to just put it on them. Well, no, no, that's fair enough, and I, and I, I respect that because uh, you know the world's changing, and and you know it's just decency needs to become more and more a part of our world on every level. And, uh, mm-hmm. that, you know, I don't know how else to say it than that. So. No, yeah. I fully agree with you. Like there's, there are so many minor changes that can be made to make things a lot better for people. And the fact that those minor changes are not done, um, is, makes it a continual problem. And it's very frustrating. I mean, it's why Siren and women's sport collective exists because the discrimination women receive in the sporting space is huge. Like I can't imagine what people of color feel or, or things like that. So, um, we're trying to work on it, but until the people with power and money actually get on board, it's a, an uphill battle, I think. And there's no question about it. And, and, you know, all you can do is put out your information every day and, mm-hmm. and uh, try to educate and hopefully get across to uh, someone new, you know, when that opportunity arises. And, you know, that's the way I've always approached things. Cause look, I'm the, you know, I'm probably you know, like I said, I'm 23 years older than you, but I guarantee you when I was 25 or 30, I had a different outlook in the world than I do today. And it's, you know, you learn as you go and you grow and those who stay stagnant are left behind. And it's, it's a frustrating scenario, but sometimes uh, that happens and hopefully we'll go forward. Hey, let's talk about some of the top teams. Then we talked about the bottom uh, four in the, uh, in the uh, ladder. Uh, Port Adeldale, they, they've had a, uh, a phenomenal season. They've, they've led basically from uh, week one. Yeah. So that here's another fun stat for you, um, which I know you'll love this one. The team in, in every single leap year since 2000, when the AFL became the AFL really, um, and there were some structural changes that happened ahead of that season after round one has gone on to win the premiership. So in 2000, it was Essendon. 2004, it was Port Adelaide. 2008, it was Hawthorne. 2012, it was Sydney, my team, the greatest team ever. Um, 2016, it was the Western Bulldogs, who I disagree with. Um, And then this year, it was Port Adelaide after round one. And Port Adelaide have had a, a completely brilliant season. I have loved watching them play. They have so many so many people that they can kind of rely on to do different things. So if one player is down, another one will step up. Um, Travis Boak, who used to be their captain, he's, I think, 32, which in AFL years is old. Um, He has had just like this renaissance year almost. He's been incredible. Um, Charlie Dixon has been a powerhouse up forward, but he hasn't been the only one that they can rely on to score goals for them. They've just got so much to like about that team. And I would, I would love to see them win the flag this year. I think they have been the most consistent, the most reliable, the most impressive team all year. Um, and also Justin Westoff, who's like a, an incredible player from their club who's been around for a long, long time. He yesterday announced his retirement come season's end. I would love to see him go out with a flag. Yeah, that'd be cool. That would yeah. actually be really good. And then you got Brisbane, uh, the Lions, uh, in in second place in the on the ladder. Um, 
advantage for them playing uh, most of their games at home this year, you think? Or is they just that's good? They are a good side. They improved drastically last year. I, I mean, I'm not a big one for saying the home ground advantage made the difference, um, and especially this year when the situation couldn't be helped. But you can't say it didn't have an impact. Um, the Lions, for me, are not you can't rely on them yet. Um, their inability to convert at goal is a big, big issue. They too often just miss when it comes to kicking at goal. And that I think is what's going to let them down come finals because they're going to create enough opportunities for themselves, but they're not going to take the, take those opportunities. And I think that will see them um, kind of bomb out of finals a little bit. And then, of course, uh, we got uh, West Coast and Richmond in the uh, the bottom two of the uh, top four. Yeah, West Coast. I love West Coast as well. They won the flag in 2018. Um, they're the second oldest side in the competition, I think. Um, but in saying that, they've debuted six players this year, which is a massive, massive deal for West Coast. Um, it, it's exciting. They won last night after coming back. I'm still unconvinced by them. I would I would love to see them go deep. A, a Port Adelaide West Coast Grand Final would be my dream. Um, I mean, given the fact that my team can't be in finals, um, but I think some injuries might catch up to them and, and cause them some issues come finals. And Richmond, I don't know. I'm not I'm not a big fan of Richmond, the club or the team. Um, they ha- they're another one that have had some really serious COVID issues and other issues this year. Um, it's like club morale issues and things like that. So they haven't won many fans over this year. They're, they notoriously um, decided to not hold, um, not have a VFLW side next year, so a Victorian League women's team next year, um, when they took an AFLW licence from other clubs that are actually investing in women's sport. Um Richmond do get away with a lot as well. And that's going to definitely not win me a lot of fans personally. Um, They get away with a lot on the field and it is frustrating to watch. So it is what it is, but I would very much prefer to see them not have a big impact on finals. So what are your chances of uh, your Swans uh, getting the upset this week against uh, Geelong? (laughs) Um, Not high. So... (laughs) I, 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 feel like, <laughs> I feel like I need to clarify my position of, on the Swans this year and last year. So the Swans have been one of the most consistently impressive teams since 2000. Um, last year was the first time they missed finals in a decade. Um, this is only the fifth time they've missed finals since 2000, since 1996, actually. Um, so the Swans have, and, and no other side has come close to doing that. At some point, we had a lot of retirements last year. At some point, they needed to kind of drop down a little bit, build up again. Um, But the thing that makes them different to other sides that are at the bottom... Sorry, I just hit my mic. Sorry if that was really loud. Um, The thing that makes them different is they've been blooding youth for a number of years. The Swans have debuted the most players of any side since 2016. I can't remember the exact number because I did the stats before they debuted like another bunch of players. Um, So the Swans have a really impressive young contingent. They just needed to find some consistency. And the other thing the Swans have had that other teams haven't experienced as much of is injury. 
So the Swans had 10 players ruled out for the season um, this year. So that meant they only had 34 players to work with and only um, one of those players that is available hasn't played a game yet this year. So that is not something we ever see in an AFL season. So I'm okay with it. They've, they've put up a fight and lost games by, you know, just performing poorly in one quarter and things like that. So we're seeing what the Swans will become next year, um, how much better they can be when they have their, their senior players back. And you know what? As long as Tom McCartan is taking contested marks and Jordan Dawson is kicking goals from outside 50, I'm fine. And let me ask you about my favorite player to watch because he's been injured all season and uh, he's a swan is uh, Buddy Franklin. Uh, what's the status on him for next year? Obviously, the last two years has been tough on him. Yeah, so firstly, I am so glad he played his 300th game in the final round of last year because for that to be hanging over everything would have been very frustrating this year. Um, he had a really good preseason and off the back of some knee injuries and things, but then had a hamstring issue and they just didn't want to risk him based on... And and realistically, him playing this year wasn't going to do a lot for the club because the whole idea of having Buddy Franklin there isn't just his performance on the field, it's getting people in the door and selling tickets. This year, when you can only sell X thousand tickets instead of 30,000 tickets, it's it's not worth risking him prepare him for next year. So apparently he's pretty solid. He's actually been in the hub with the team, even though he's ruled out for the season. Um, A couple of other players, when they've gotten injured and ruled out for the season, they've gone back to Sydney and gone home. Um, But he's actually been travelling with them. So he's effectively another coach for them. And he's been rehabbing on the the run with them, which is really good, um, which means he's able to coach a lot of the young boys coming through, um, which obviously has an impact on their confidence um but apparently he's really eyeing off next season and i think he's got two years to run on his contract um and then i believe he's gonna uh, from my understanding i don't think this has been confirmed anywhere but i understand he'll go into a coaching role like jared mcveigh did after his retirement it makes sense i mean we have a player of that that caliber and that established that has the uh, the ability that he has to be that leader off the field, you know, to show young players how to, uh, you know, handle themselves throughout an entire season, how to prepare for a game, the mental side, the physical side, you know, the weekly, uh, what you need to do. Uh, that's invaluable to a team, especially a young team. Uh, I've seen that mm. in every sport. If you can find that, what I call a player coach, um, that's invaluable. Sometimes it's just the leadership value of what they do in the locker room or, you know, how they handle themselves during the week prior to the game. And uh, it's just that, like I said, you can't buy leadership. I mean, if you can find that yeah, and you, you know, what you just described to me is exactly what I would expect out of him because he's been such a fabulous player his entire career. And um, obviously when he made his commitment to, uh, you know, his Sydney a few years back, he's, 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 fulfilled everything they've probably wanted and more, even though he may not have been on the field as much as they would hope the last two seasons. Yeah. And that's the thing. There's this constant, I actually got so frustrated by this constant talk about um, if, if you don't win a flag with buddy, then the contract wasn't worth it. I get so frustrated at that conversation because it's looking so narrow, narrow mindedly at 
what actually has happened. So I actually wrote an article about it and you can find it on my website if you want to read it. But um, that there's like things like the fact that since he came to the club in 2013, 2014, sorry, um, the Swans haven't had a down year in memberships until this year, which was because of the COVID thing. So like, even though um, he may not be on the field every single week, the Swans membership numbers have increased every single year that he's been at the club. And that doesn't happen in, in a, in New South Wales, which is a non AFL state. And I don't know if that makes sense to anyone else, but AFL is like in Victoria, in South Australia, West Australia, mainly um, AFL is like the core sport people play. And then when you look at New South Wales and Queensland, it's rugby league is the core sport that people play and follow from a young age. So in a state that, mainly follows rugby league to have increased membership numbers every year that he's been at the club. That is massive. That keeps the club afloat. That keeps them growing. And then you look at the leadership he's allowed and, and shown to younger players. So Tom Papley, who's been the rage to talk about this year, who's just committed to Sydney and said he's not requesting a trade, which makes me very happy. Um, he, he debuted in round one, 2016. He kicked three goals on debut. He was the last player picked up and added to a list that year. And he has openly said multiple times that his confidence on the field and his ability to come in and perform immediately is because of Buddy Franklin being there and in the forward 50 with him, giving him confidence and giving him support. Tom Papley would not be the player he is now, which is looking at an All-Australian or potentially All-Australian squad edition, if it weren't for him playing alongside Buddy Franklin for the first four, four years of his career, you know, like there's so many other things that impact he has had an impact on than just the inability to win two grand finals that we've made. And that's the thing. Sydney's made two grand finals with him. They just haven't been able to get over that last hurdle. It's not like they've been dwelling at the bottom of the ladder the whole time he's been there. Ah, yeah, I understand. Cause, uh, Today's mentality, I can't say it, you know, it, it seems to be everywhere, is uh, if you don't win a championship, a flag, um, it's bust. It wasn't a good season. It wasn't successful. And that is not actually accurate in life because um, especially in a sport like uh, footy and a sport maybe like in uh, like football, art, American football, you get one game. It's not a series of games. So, you know, sometimes incidents happens in a game or, you know, something uh, transpires and it, and it leads one team to, uh, to victory and the other team to defeat. And sometimes it's just, you know, in the, and it wasn't in the cards that year. Maybe you overachieved. But, uh, yeah, it doesn't – if your team is competing for championships, then you're doing a good thing. I've always said this about any sport, and I don't know if you ever thought of it this way. Uh, I always say, if you get me into the tournament, I have an opportunity. And that's why, like, if you get Mm -hmm. into the finals, you have an opportunity to advance and you just never know what will happen until you're in that, in that scenario. It's when you're not getting into the tournaments, when you're not having into the finals, you don't have that opportunity. That's when fan bases get frustrated because you know, uh, it's kind of preordained that, you know, chances of you uh, rooting for a team that has a chance to truly compete at the highest level may not happen very often. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And, and that's the thing. Like I, 
I, there are a lot of fans that are all or nothing. It's either you win everything or I hate you. Um, but I am very much, I like to see the little things that go well, even in a loss, what went well. And at the moment, particularly, you have to find those things. And for me this year, there have been so many things to look at and be like, holy shit, like that is, inc- sorry for swearing. Um, that's amazing. That makes me really happy. So an example of that for me is one of my absolute favorite players. And I notorious, and my friends think it's hilarious, I notoriously love fringe players. So players that aren't necessarily going to be first picked every week or when I first start talking about them, no one knows who they are and then all of a sudden they become a really important player in the side like Jordan Dawson or Tom McCartan. But one of my absolute favorite players is Robbie Fox and he's a 27-year-old who came off the rookie list who kind of over the past couple of years has played a game here or there each year in a different position. They couldn't quite find what suited him best. And this year after a bunch of retirements from our backline last year and a bunch of injuries this year. He's become an incredible lockdown defender, so a one-on-one defender. And he he's about a 185 centimeters tall. So he either so that's like five ten, five eleven, maybe I'm guessing. Um, he either plays shorter than his opponent and does a great job being undersized against the tall opponent, or he plays a similar sized opponent who's really nimble and he goes with them and he's, he's had an amazing season being moved into defense. And it's like he's finally found a place because of this year. And if it hadn't been for the way this year happened, I don't think that would have happened and he probably wouldn't be looking at a renewed contract, but now he's an integral part of the team and that makes me really happy. And a a similar thing has happened with Harry Cunningham. He's another one of my favorite players. He's kind of one of those players that, no one really knew where his best position was, where to play him best. This year, he's played as a running defender and he's done an incredible job. And it's just like, that is our defensive line now. It all makes sense. And again, if that hadn't, if the injuries hadn't happened this year and the retirements hadn't happened, he probably doesn't get that opportunity. Probably doesn't stick around for another five years. So that's made me really happy. Yeah, there's no question about that. Hey, I want to thank you for your time. First and foremost, it is always great to have you on the podcast you're always uh willing to come on and uh you know give me <laughs> this opportunity to talk uh you know a footy with you and it's, it's it's terrific but you as you know or at least me remember i love talking a little bit about your your music background and uh, <laughs> and and a play on radio and when it was a you know a radio station and that uh you got me on to angie mcmahon which thank you very oh, much love her, her. fantastic uh, Odette and East and Fields. Now, before we go any farther, do you have any other recommendations for me to try? <laughs> I always, always have recommendations. Um, who have I been listening to a lot recently? Um, or oh, Eve's Caritas. Um, she's amazing. She released a really incredible album. I think it was at the start of last year. Um, her album is just unbelievable. Um, she's kind of grown as an artist a lot in the since her career started, um, and she released a new single called "Complicated" this year. Um, this is a non-Australian example, if that's okay. No, um, British, British band called Glass Animals. They're they're a bit more well known, but they released a new album this year, and it is beyond good. Um, they're lovely people, and 
they were one of the last gigs I saw before the pandemic happened. They did like mini showcases to like media and stuff um, before they released the album because they've had a history with um, their drummer got hit by a truck and Mm. couldn't play for a long time. He had severe brain injury and and it looked like he may not ever play again, let alone walk again. Um, But they've released a new album and it is unbelievably good. Um, What else have I been listening to recently? Oh, I just released a new episode of Australian Jams and I can't remember (laughs) what I included. Oh, no. That's all right. Um, Let me ask you about someone that's been getting some play here on a local radio station. Um, and I don't know much about her. I want to act maybe wrong with her name. So I apologize, but Amy shark. Does that sound familiar? Oh, Amy shark. Yeah. She's, um, she's signed to, I think Sony in Australia. She's a, like, she had a song called. Everybody rise maybe, or. Adore. Yes. Adore you. And that kind of. Yeah. So Adore would have been a few years ago in Northern Coast. So she's from like north of Sydney, I think. Um, yeah, she's doing quite well as well. The, the band I wanted to mention, so I just remembered, Cry Club. Cry Club are amazing. Um, they're like pop punk in a way, but also not pop punk, but like pop and punk as separate entities, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um incredible lyric and they also have announced they've announced their um debut album so that i please go and listen to cry club all right hey i got one thing to share with you uh being someone who loves podcasts and i know like you said i listen to your australian jams and your other podcasts but um you love lyrics as you mentioned i was gonna say you mentioned before you love lyrics correct yes Okay. Yes, I do. There's there's a terrific podcast that I found recently, and they yes. base their songs on the lyrics. I mean, that's what how they uh-huh. they start with the lyrics and they build the song around them. I have a podcast recommendation for you. It's called Prompt Queens. Uh, these are two ladies who are more into folk music and country okay. Americana. However, yep, I think you would enjoy it tremendously because they. A, they laugh at themselves and all their jokes. And B, (laughs) they give themselves a prompt each week or each podcast to write a song about. And they talk about the creative process of writing that song. So uh, it's called Prompt Queens uh, by Emily Dunbar and Hope Dunbar. Please, if you get a chance, I'd love to hear uh, what you think of it. Because it's quite interesting. And uh, matter of fact, you can uh, stream either one of those. Both of them, I believe, have albums out. So... uh, Something you may enjoy. I, I found it recently and it is absolutely hysterical and fun and uh, really a, a, an interesting thing to hear. So uh, check out Prompt Queens. I talked about it last week on my podcast. Hopefully you hear it now. Yeah, this is cool. I've just found it. I'll have to listen. Yeah. I, again, I think you'll enjoy it. I've gotten through the, like the first 18 episodes and uh Episodes 18 and 19, they were at a festival, and I recommend it highly. It's about trains. Uh, that was the prompt. Um, they have a couple other ones. But, yeah, they give themselves a prompt, and they build a song around it. And some of them are really good, and as they say, sometimes it's just about writing the song. Yeah, that's cool. Imagine imagine being creative. must be so nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Something I've never done. 
Yeah, me too. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Gemma, thank you again for all your time and uh, have a wonderful day. I appreciate you uh, for coming on. Once again, that's Gemma Bastiani uh, from Siron Sports and Play On Radio Podcast Network. And uh, you can catch all her stuff on the internet at, uh, I'll let you tell me your Twitter handle. My Twitter handle, it's G-L Bastiani, B-A-S-T-I-A-N-I. You can find me there. (laughs) That's the easiest way. And uh, Gemma, once again, thanks again. And hopefully maybe uh, in a couple weeks or a few weeks before the the grand finals, we can uh, hook up again and just uh, preview that. Sounds good. All right. Thanks again. Thanks, mate. Once again, our thanks to Gemma for coming on the podcast and uh, spending time talking Australian rules football with me. And uh, she's done it. Uh, this is like her third or fourth appearance on the uh, mm-hmm. podcast. And always, always uh, appreciative. And uh, can't wait to the next time we talk. Uh, the finals begin next week in, uh, in Australia. So it will be a fun top eight. And mm-hmm. we'll go from there. And uh, I look forward to it. Like I said, I'll be watching on my uh, my uh, iPad and, uh, and other on uh, my app. But. You know, this year because of the pandemic, one of the one of the benefits mm-hmm. of the pandemic this yes. year, yes, as Australian rules football has come to part of the American landscape. Yes, in it broadcasting. has. There have been six to seven, I would say four to six games each week on American television. Now, grant you, some of it is at three in the morning or five in the morning because of the time yeah. difference, but. They have been aired live here in the United mm-hmm. States, which is fantastic. And uh, uh, either through Fox Sports or ESPN, ESPN yeah. and streaming on ESPN3. So uh, it's good. I've been streaming it for the last three years so or four years. Yeah. I don't know how long, but uh, for a while now. And uh, I plan on continuing. And uh, I can't wait for the AFLW, which will be mm-hmm. beginning uh, come uh, January, February. So. I'm looking forward to that, too. So as we're talking about all the sports yeah. going along, and like I said, I got the Premier League going on, so uh, got to cheer on my Reds, uh, see if we can uh, repeat this year. Repeat is always tougher than winning the first Well, game. you aren't kidding. You are not kidding at all. But it's even sweeter. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How about we do the double dip? We, we not only win the Premier League, but win the Champions, Champions League and, and become not just, just the champions of – England, but the champions of Europe. I mean, you're getting greedy now. Well, last year we won the championship of the world too. So see, I, yeah. I, I, I mean, you you're know, getting greedy now. You want the trifecta? Yeah, why not? More the merrier. Hey, For the merry side, right? You can never stop. Uh, you can never have enough titles. Yeah, we'll have to get um, Jim back on. We haven't had Jim in a while. Let's just say that Viking uh, Jim needs to make an for his sake. I hope Liverpool has a successful season because his Vikings defense, I think, just got scored on again. Uh, well, yeah, I, we'll, we'll we'll definitely have to uh, <laughs> have our our Viking friends on this year because uh, I, they're, they're, they're oh, a lot of fun. Minnesota fans are they're different, aren't they? Oh, they're great. I love them. Yeah, I tell you what. Yeah, good they fans. are. They're good fans. Oh, oh, they're passionate. Yeah. They are really passionate. They're different. Yeah. Uh, all my red fans, for the most part, uh, friends are uh, Viking fans. Really? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm the eyeball. <laughs> you decided to be a Browns fan. Uh, I'm Northeast Ohio, baby. All right, for Anthony, 
I am Tim. Thank you to Gemma for coming on the podcast. We will talk to you next week as we reach 116 of the sports podcast. Have a great night, everyone.